Welcome to another episode of So You Can Hear Me Now. Gems for the Generations segment. We are here with Heather Talbot. And we uh, also welcome our guest host, Stacy Saunders. Hi, welcome, guys. Welcome. Well, Heather, we are excited. That's good to talk to you guys. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, it has been a while. My word. Um, okay. Who are you to us? We always we always try to like break that in. So you are who are you? Okay. So if you start with Renee and Bill Perry, right? They had Karen, who's Karen Smith, and so I am one of I am her fifth child. So I am your first cousin. Yeah, and Karen, my aunt Karen, your mother is the youngest. No, no, no. Aunt Dina is the youngest. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? She's number youngest. three. I'm sorry. She's number three. I'm sorry. I do know things about my family. My gosh, this is embarrassing. Well, well, good times. My gosh, I'm personally curious about your mission. Okay. I I just loved this whole thing because you're you're, in my view, you're the world traveler of the family. I, like I, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure you've been to more places and done more cool things than the entire family. I don't know about that exactly, but I have been to actually quite a few pretty cool places. Your dad, I think, beats me on that one. Oh, yeah. But, that's, yeah. Okay. That, that um, might be true. Yeah. But for the younger generation, yes. Yeah, for our probably. generation. Yeah. Definitely. I've been able to get to go see a lot of cool places. So we just, we were kind of bummed when COVID hit because we just gotten started on these conferences with Paul's work where we were getting to travel internationally for free. So we got to go to Rome and we got to go to Korea and we were supposed to be going to Milan and then Brussels, but now that probably isn't going to happen. It's the the Rona. The Rona strikes again. (laughs) So I don't know if we'll get on the conference circuit again, but it, I Rome, Italy has always been like my dream vacation to go and see, and I got to do it. It was pretty awesome. Did you see the temple while you were there? We did. We did. We didn't get to go inside, but the visitor center was really cool. They had um, these displays where they had the cut, the temple cut in half. And it showed you exactly what was in there, exact replica of the inside of the temple. They even had the paintings and like the stained glass windows in it as well. And then they also had this really cool display where they showed um, the tabernacle from the Old Testament. And then they showed King Solomon's temple. And then they had the Rome temple to show the progression of temples. So one, they've been around forever. This is not a new thing. And two, just how they've progressed over the years is, was really interesting. That's so cool. So fascinating. How long were you, how long were you all there? We were there for a week. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And 
the interesting thing was we went and we saw the Colosseum, which is this building that's been there for thousands of years. And it's truly magnificent, like the architecture and everything, but the feeling there is awful because you know what they did there. You know, these games where they just killed people for sport right. or animals. And so, so we went there and then, and then, and then we got on a bus and we went to the temple and the feeling was opposite. You know, you walk onto these peaceful grounds and you feel, you know, eternity in your grasp and it's life, you know, instead of death. And it's just so, so interesting to be in both places that, you know, architecturally, you know, are pretty renowned in the world. And, you know, the one that is simpler, but dedicated to the Lord had so much more of an impact than this big giant building that men had built. I wonder, I wonder, well, I don't see how they couldn't, but I wonder if the populace feels it too. Like the, the locals, not all, I mean, probably the tourists, but I wonder if the locals have that same, if they can feel it as well, feel the contrast. Yeah, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to know. So it, cause you go from like crazy, <laughs> crazy streets and traffic to just a nice peaceful place where you can just sit and think. And it's just, it's, you know, the grounds aren't even that big, but it just has this power, you know, it's interesting. I feel like it's the same way at Salt Lake, you know, you're in the middle of downtown, a totally chaotic place. As soon as you step on the grounds, like, it's like you've entered a whole nother world. You know, you can't see the chaos. It's really interesting. Definitely. Definitely. I had never really quite thought of it like that before. Because in Boise, I mean, it's not like really crazy around here. So, But that, that is a really cool contrast. That's awesome. I like... Sorry, just as you were talking about that space, it reminded me of your dad made this comparison years ago, I think when we all moved to Boise, um, you know, because how, how the Boise Temple is set up, it's got, you know, the theater on the other side and the and then what is that, I-84? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. I-84 I- running. And he makes the comparison of Lehi's Dream. Now, you know, you, mm-hmm. can, you can think that's silly, but it, it's actually quite visually accurate in my mind like it it makes sense you've got the river you've got the world you've got the temple i don't know yeah uh, the contrast again rome the contrast the coliseum Mm -hmm. the temple i don't know yeah for sure was uh was the tallahassee temple uh built yet when you no we did not have a temple i didn't go to the temple at all on my well that's a lie I went to the Provo Temple. Right, right. Wait. In the MTC, sure. No, that isn't true either. I actually didn't get to go. So yeah, mm-hmm. I never went to the temple on my mission. The last time I went was with you when we went to the Salt Lake Temple. Oh. Do you remember that? Yeah, the, we did the we did the uh, the live session. Yeah. At the Salt and Lake I Temple. Wanted that was the take- first time I'd ever done a live session. That's right. I- I've wanted to take Paul so bad and I just kept putting it off and then it closed. So I was like, dang it. I totally I missed it. I'm hearing but, rumors that the construction is not going to finish till maybe uh, it might be past uh, 2024. 
I think that's what they're looking at is 2024, but it looks like it may go past that. But regardless, crazy. Yeah, it's a Herculean project they're doing right now. Well, and I don't know if they'll be doing live sessions when it opens back up again. They've kind of moved away from that too, so it'll be interesting to see. But I still remember that experience and being grateful that you were there and got to stand up with me in the circle. Um, that was pretty cool. That was a cool experience. So, uh, give us some, give us some, uh, mission stats real quick. So you served from what year to yet what year and, and then how that, how did that, the mission call come about? Kind of give us a, an intro there. To give you a precursor, I guess I finished my, associates at LDS Business College, and I'd taken a mission prep class. I had decided at this point, based on my patriarchal blessing, that I was going to be single the rest of my life, because nowhere does it mention marriage or children, except that I will receive the blessings of the temple, and that's all it said. Interesting. So I was sure, I was like, oh, okay, cool, I need to get a career, I'm going to be single. Great. I can do that. I like being, you know, I, I was fine with that. Children scared me. (laughs) (laughs) They still scare you. They scare everyone. (laughs) And I still don't like other people's children and sometimes not my own, but (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that head. uh, These are some stunning admissions. You don't like my children, huh? They're fine. I am fine with other kids being around, but like if I have a choice for long term, you know, I'd rather other people not be around. It's more, it's less family and more like when they want me to like help out in the classroom. I'm like, uh, but then I have to like talk to other kids. I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I'm true that way. No, Lincoln and Claire, if your kids get along with my kids, then I don't have a problem with them. So, because uh, it makes my life easier because they play with them. Right? That is a really true thing. That's the only thing I like about other people's kids is they entertain my children. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, as they get older, they, they kind of become more and more autonomous. So you don't have to, it, you're playing uh zone defense as opposed to like man-to-man defense right and the, it gets yep. a, management gets a little bit easier it uh it seems to it we changes, haven't maybe quite reached our teen yet but he went to his first mutual activity this week and so it's it's starting it'll be it'll be interesting <laughs> yeah, no but kidding. uh so so before that so i got my associates um, I'd really lost my way my freshman year. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, but I made some, some poor friends. I won't say poor choices necessarily, but just, I wasn't hanging out with great people. And so my second year of college was really, I had decided that I was just going to be, I'd rather be alone than spend time with these other people. Does that make sense? Um, and so at that point, I was like, okay, what what am I doing next? Because I had got my associates. Um, I got into BYU-Hawaii, so I was like, okay, I'll go do that. And that was fun. Um, and so I did that for the summer. And then 
I decided that, you know, I might as well go on a mission. Um, since I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do for a career yet, I took a lot of different classes and just knew I needed at least to get my associate so I had some kind of degree, you know, because that helps with your pay later. Absolutely. Uh, so I moved home and I worked and... <laughs> Well, you would think I worked 90-hour weeks. Oh, my word. You would think that I would have saved more money than I did, but I, <laughs> I spent a lot of money. <laughs> was that when you worked at Figaro's with us, Heather? Was that after your mission? That was after my mission. Oh, okay. So I worked at Rocky Mountain Fitness. That was my absolute favorite job so far. I worked, I worked too. Oh, wow. I worked Me too. Front <laughs> I didn't know you worked there, Stace. Hey, you were the one who got me the job. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I didn't realize we were still in Eagle by the time you could get a job. Sorry. I, we, we were we were in Star, but I still oh, worked right. there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, so I worked in the cafeteria, the little cafe they had, and I worked at the front desk, and I worked as a swim teacher and a lifeguard as well. Because when I was in Hawaii, I got my lifeguarding. Because, you know, if you're going to go to Hawaii, take a swimming class, well, 100%. Yeah. So um, so I worked there, and I should have gone to mission prep, but really didn't. Um, I had had a pretty awful experience in Hawaii with bugs. I had been just eaten alive, and the only thing that would give me like any kind of relief is standing in the waves because salt water actually helps heal like itching wounds, which is interesting. That is interesting. And they don't have sealed doors in Hawaii or actual windows. So there was always like cockroaches and stuff in my room. And it just totally freaked me out until I like lost my mind. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so... <laughs> <laughs> so I was really concerned about my mission after that experience. And um, anyways, I put in my paper and I remember being really impatient about hearing back. And I remember talking to my dad because he was the bishop and saying, did you turn him in wrong or something? Like, have you not turned in my papers? Did you miss a form? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? And my mom stopped me and looked at me and said, he is your dad and he is a priesthood holder and your bishop. You do not speak to him this way. He did his job. You will get your papers when they come. I have never, my mom has never talked to me like that before or like, stood. I don't, that I remember standing up for my dad in that way. Like I didn't realize how disrespectful I was being. Until she said something. And I was like, oh, sorry. So that was a really interesting experience for me. Because that still sticks with me about how we perceive um, the priesthood and how we treat them in their callings. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I'm with you. Totally with you. That sounds... So it's really easy for us women to be like, oh, the men are dumb. They don't know what they're doing. But, you know, they're there for a reason and they're doing their job and they are the priesthood holder. It's a lot like studying the ark is what my mom said 
last month, I think. She's like, be careful that you're not studying the Ark when you're questioning your priesthood holders. So I thought that was interesting. Not that you can't, if they're doing something wrong, you know, sure. you can talk to them or whatever. But you also need to respect the office that they're in. Are so. you talking, Are you, did you say steadying the Ark or studying the Ark? Steadying. You know, oh, okay. the guy that reached down and touched the Ark because it was moving and he turned, he died. Oh, my my mind went to Noah's oh, Ark. Have... Okay, okay, I'm with you now. Oh, yeah, I, I thought you were talking about Noah's Ark, too, and I was like, what? what? I, I'm so confused. Right. No. He, yeah, but no, he uh, he went to touch it, and he, I think he was struck dead immediately, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, because yeah. you're not supposed to touch it. <laughs> like, that was the rule. And he was just, you know... <laughs> The part of you wants to he say, yeah, he had good intentions. He's probably just trying to help, but the Lord need to make an example. Like you don't, that's not your job, you know? Um, and so, so that's always been, that was interesting for me for starting a mission to remind me um, what role I played. Does that make sense? Because I was not an elder going out to baptize people. My job was as a support and a teacher and to bring people so that they then could help them get the ordinances they needed. Because um, we both, you need both of them. You know, men and women have very specific roles and they're meant to support and help each other fulfill each role. So I got my calling. Oh, when I prayed about my mission... <laughs> My my dad said I was allowed to be very, uh, that I was allowed to make very specific deals with the Lord. And I don't know if you should. I felt like that might be a little disrespectful. But he's right because both of them worked out. And he does, dad does it all the time. I know. <laughs> it scares me a little bit. <laughs> I feel like it's trying to push your will on the Lord's will. But it depends on how you do it. So... When I sent in my mission papers, I just, I told the Lord, I was like, I would love to go somewhere warm, but I can't handle the bugs and do not send me to Temple Square because I will have to quit my mission because my roommate and all of my friends that I'd struggled with literally lived and worked across the street from Temple Square. And I knew that if I got sent there, they 100% would come and bother me every day that I was on the square. So I was like, I cannot go there. So I got the call and I got Florida and I was really excited, but I was also really nervous. And so when I got set apart, uh, the Lord told me, if you are obedient, the bugs will not bother you. And I thought that was... Really, really specific interesting because he knew that i was i mean florida is like almost worse than hawaii for bugs like i don't know it's so bad florida florida doesn't have any bugs does it stay so <laughs> i've never heard of florida having bugs that seems that, that's, that doesn't sound right it's so bad oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. so i was concerned anyway so i was like oh okay so so i went on my mission I did have a time where we basically lived the movie Arachnophobia, 
Oh, we literally had spiders climbing down the walls and the windows like we were totally infested and we end up having to set off a bomb and like not go back to our house for like a whole day. And I got a really bad bite that um, probably was like a really poisonous spider and it got really huge and infected. And one of the, so I was like, okay, the Lord's sending me a message. (laughs) Clearly I'm not doing something right here because he said if I was obedient, I wouldn't have a problem. Um, And so I was in a threesome at the time and I was really struggling with one of the sisters and I really felt like she shouldn't be there and that she should be at home. And looking back now, that that is not my call. You know, the Lord sent her there. She needed to be there, you know, but I was trying to encourage her to quit, which was terrible. She just, she had some mental problems. Um, and I wasn't very, I wasn't very gracious about it, but she'd like fall asleep during lessons that we're teaching to investigators. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was pretty obstinate and just like didn't listen and just she just was really painful to to live with. Um and so I realized that uh so we got sent a new sister that actually prayed specifically to be with our group because she felt like she could help this sister and she did. She made all the difference. Um, and so, so I think that's probably why the bugs were attacking me at that time. Um, but, uh, the cure for my leg was one of the members told me, cut a potato in half, duct tape it to your leg on the bite and leave it on there for eight hours. I was like, well, you know, it's worth a try. And yeah, exactly. 100% the next day, it was like a third of the size it had been previously. Whoa. It sucked out all the poison. So we did that to Gabe this summer. It totally works. So potato cut in half. You got to put the the white part, yeah, like the juicy part on the on the sore, and you get, and then it sucks out the poison. So could you just leave it like another eight hours after that, and would it? continue to um, reduce or is it that kind of it's just kind of a I maybe don't get know. a new potato <laughs> Pro- yeah you'd need like mine was all shriveled like and gross in the morning yeah. um but i mean it had taken up out enough that i just need to apply some itch cream for a few days and it was gone oh wow so and same with gabe his were tiny like mosquito bites after we got it off and then he was fine after a few days so it is so there's a cool trick I learned on my mission for Yeah. For spider bites. I mean, obviously if you get bitten by like a black widow or hobo, you should go to the hospital. Yeah, no kidding. But, oh gosh, I hate spiders so much. <laughs> yeah. It was it was kind of a nightmare, but but it was a good lesson. Clearly I needed to learn it. So and I got used to cockroaches and I got over them being a big deal, which was good because we then moved to New Mexico where we lived with cockroaches, which you know what that's like from living in Texas. 
Yeah. Sure. Good um, what <laughs> What did you want to know about my mission? Well, um, tell us a little bit about like, not the day-to-day necessarily, but just kind of maybe some overarching, or at least this is what I wanted to know. Some overarching elements there. Because for me, I, I remember there were some, some aspects that I, I didn't even think about going into it. Some kind of some brass tacks elements. So like, I didn't realize, and I think you have it on your outline as well, but just like how much like free time you actually have as a missionary, meaning like not free time, like, Oh, I can go do whatever I want. Right. More like downtime, meaning I have complete control of my schedule. Like if I don't schedule something, uh, you know, what do I do? So it was kind of a, I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, we picture missionaries as at least I pictured missionaries as like kind of like a job or a career where you have this, these specific things that you do, you check in with a boss, you know? And so when I got there and they're like, okay, figure out what you want to do for the next six weeks and we'll see you at district meeting occasionally. Exactly. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, there's no one here to monitor me or, you know, like, I thought there would be a lot more oversight. Yeah, a lot more supervision. Um, and so that was scary and also nice at the same time. Um, but it made me realize, like, how accountable I had to be with my time. And I can tell you. 50% of my mission, I definitely did not use my time well. <laughs> I think we can all oh. say that. I mean, I, I had so many times where I was just like self-doubting all the time. Just like, uh, well, 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 should we go down the street? Um, um, what about yeah. this complex? Should we knock up here? Uh, uh, maybe we should have gone over here. Oh, no. Like the whole time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we did a lot of shopping. <laughs> Because that was one of the best ways to run into people was like in the parking lot or like at thrift stores and the oh, clothing section. I gotcha. Yeah. Um. So, but I uh about oh I'd say about eight months in I got kind of burnout. Um, and so I had a lot of fun on my mission where I should have probably been doing more work. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm with you. And uh and it was it's it's something I regret a lot now. Um I I'm kind of an enabler. No, I am one hundred percent an enabler. I learned this on my mission and I think I had to go through this so that I would learn then. So now as a parent I can see when I'm doing that when I'm enabling my child when they need to be doing something else. Does that make sense? I, I, I'm very good at excusing people's behaviors instead of expecting more. Um, it was really easy to, especially cause like you say, we're in charge of how we do our day to day. No one was there making me get up at six 30 you know, it's not like the military, right. which is more what I was expecting. <laughs> right. And so, um, 
so it got really easy some mornings to be like, well, we're just not going to exercise this morning. So we'll sleep until 730, you know. Um, and actually, my first area, I remember I had been lazy that morning and I was making breakfast while I was supposed to be doing my personal scripture study. And I was, you know, not really paying very much attention to my study and more on my break. Because I went like all out. I was making like eggs and ham and, you know, I was making yeah. like a full course meal. And I was supposed to be studying. <laughs> Lightning struck our trailer. No way. And hit the frying pan I was using and drilled a hole through it. What? <laughs> oh my god! I still have the pan. Because it was a reminder for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be reading my scriptures right now. Like, that is some serious Old Testament stuff right there. <laughs> the oh Lord my is going to strike me down. Now, I mean, if you look at the science, we were in a metal trailer in the middle of a field in sure. lightning zone. So yeah. sure, that's totally what's going to happen. But for me, it was like, okay. So the Lord... The Lord had his ways of reminding me of what I was supposed to be doing. But um, it was interesting. I got this one companion that just really liked to have fun and was super boy crazy. And so it started uh -oh. really slowly. Just over time, we stopped reading the missionary handbook. You know how every morning you're supposed to read the missionary handbook, just a section of it to remind you of the rules? I don't know if you had to do that. You're talking but about the white, the white handbook, right? Yep, the white handbook. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So we, you know, my previous commands, we used to make up accents. I mean, we had the whole thing memorized by then, you know. And I had this newbie, and she, oh my gosh, it's like my son Gabe now. It just was such a fight to get her to read this stupid book. It was just impossible. And so I gave up on it because I was like, Ugh, this is dumb. Like, I don't, this is not worth a fight. But as we stopped reading the handbook, we started breaking more rules, you know, without really thinking about it. And then you go back and look at the handbook and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, we started doing less missionary work and more, you know, we're, we're roommates having a good time in Florida. You know, it's like, right, no, right. that's, and I mean. We, like, went to the beach one day. You know, it's not like we were uh, doing anything wrong, but because we were missionaries, technically we were. You know what I'm saying? Or we'd have, like, water balloon fights with the elders, you know, um, which it's good to have fun with them and stuff. That's what P-Day is for, but ours kind of extended into, you know, the rest of the week. It would come up and we'd find ways to have to hang out with them. Because a lot of times we'd have sisters and elders in the same ward. Oh, um, right. Sure, sure. Because the areas are so big there. Geographically, yeah. Yeah. And so um, it was really easy to just end up hanging out with the elders. And so I regret the time there when I was distracting the elders from their work when I should have been encouraging them and my new missionary. So by the end, I realized what I'd done wrong and I tried to make up for it and I repented, you know, and, and it was hard and I still 
made some mistakes, but um, we had some good, had some really good teaching experiences in there. And um, I think just remembering why you're there, you know, and when you can see those families, um, we worked because of where we were at, we worked with a lot of part member families. So it was mostly, you know, getting the eight-year-olds baptized or the husband or the wife baptized, you know, working with them to get these members, a full family coming to church. Right. right. Um, which was a really cool role that we got to take. So we taught a lot of primary lessons, actually, on my mission. Um, not actual primary, but we taught a lot of our missionary lessons were with children. Um, and actually several of our baptisms were that way too, as nine-year-olds, you know. And so that was really cool to see. That that gave me a really strong testimony of how important families are, you know, for people to be successful and to have good relationships and just to really be able to thrive in the gospel and together. Like having everyone there and connected is so important. Um, and so that was a really cool thing to be, to be a part of. And I think it's helped prepare me for my callings in my wards now. And it helped me be a better minister and kind of understand where these families come from. Cause more and more we're getting families where there's only one person that's a member. Yeah. You know? Part member families. Yeah. And we're getting all these kids that aren't, they're not getting the whole experience growing up in the gospel and so they're still feeling very very lost you know so it it makes me grateful for what i have i guess yeah so that was a large focus of of various areas of your mission your mission i mean focusing on those part member families i spent about i spent eight months of my mission in the same uh ward oh wow and it was uh I think we had four different part member families during that time that we worked with. Um, that's actually why we got, there used to be two sets of elders and they moved in us to be able to, because a lot of times the husband wouldn't be home and it just was the mom and the kids and they, but they wanted them to be able to be taught. Right. It's the so rules. They needed, you can't, yeah. Right. Exactly. You can't you can't go in the home if the same spouse the same what is that sex isn't there yeah, yeah <laughs> so exactly. gender yes gender that's the word I was looking for thank you <laughs> so yes that was a big focus of my mission Heath what were some of, like walking away from the mission and like like coming home and and everything but like and I know obviously it's you know it's been years so you can you know look back on it but. What were what were some of the big successes or, or walking lessons learned? I guess from from that time that you that you cherish. So one of the big ones is the little things matter. Just the little things we do every day, and including the Lord in our day or not, it matters. It makes a big difference on how the rest of your life is going to go. Um, so whether I choose to study my scriptures or follow certain rules or 
you know, choose to listen to for the Spirit to guide me to certain places, which I mean, we had several times where it was clear we were where the Lord wanted us to be, and several times where it was clear, like, oh, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> and I'm sorry I dragged you all with me. So yeah. uh, it helped me remember that it is my job to be accountable and to be an example to the people around me, no matter who they are. Um, and, um, it also just really strengthened my testimony of, of repentance. And then, like I said, with families, um, we had this one mom, um, that had chosen to, uh, have an abortion when she was a teenager and she still is like 20, 30 years later and just really, really struggled with that. And, um, I was able to tell her that, um, she would get to have that baby in the next life. And normally I wouldn't just go and say that because, you know, that's, they made choice or whatever, but the Lord made it very clear that, that he knew she, she wished she could have done differently and that he wants her to have that baby and that because of the temple she can you know and so it was a really cool um I've I don't know if it's helped me it was really cool to be the Lord's messenger and to get a direct message from him to be able to tell someone else and give them hope and it's given me um you know my it's given me opportunities to be able to testify of, you know, families and eternity to other people. And I had a a miscarriage and it was a comfort to me to know that. Um, so for me, I th- there actually wasn't a baby, so it actually made it a lot easier. But had there been a baby, it was a comfort mate for me to know that I would have been able to still keep that baby. It was still mine, you know? And so, and I know I've had a lot of family members that have had miscarriages and it's, it's hard. Um, but knowing that, you know, if you keep your covenants and just knowing that you're going to see them again and that it's not the end is so comforting and so awesome. Like Emily Father's plan is amazing. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Yeah. So, anyways, that was those were probably the biggest things that I learned on my mission. Yeah, that's wow. That's some good stuff. Yeah. So, taking some of these these experiences. Do you think that helped in, in, you know, early, early married life for you going through? I mean, so (laughs) being a newlywed was, was hard. Um, I, I married someone that's very opposite of me and a lot of ways or some ways or what do you mean? Pretty much in every way. So, but here's the deal. So, when Paul and I 
were dating, I broke up with him because uh, I just was like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, he is so weird and different. <laughs> no, he knows this. And it's just like, I wasn't, this sounds terrible, but I wasn't like super attracted to him. Like he was just a nice guy, you know? And so I went to the temple and the Lord said, you know what? You, yeah, break up with him. You this is in Rexburg. Yeah, this was yeah. at BYU Idaho. I'd been home from a mission. I got home in the summer. So I went 2007 to 2008. I went January 2007 to June 2008. And then I started school up at BYU Idaho in September that year. And I met Paul in a social dance class. And he took the social dance class because he's a physics major and there's literally no other way to meet girls <laughs> besides his word. <laughs> so, oh <my> word. <laughs> so, and he dated, I mean, he dated most of the campus. Like he was actively looking for a wife. Um, anyway, so I broke up with him and I was miserable, like for the next few days. And I was like, I don't understand why I'm so upset about this breakup. Like, I didn't think we were that close. Um, and especially anyways. after you kind of got a, a confirmation, so to speak. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I had, I had a lot of, I had met his family. He had met mine, but like, I had a lot of doubts about this guy. I'd gone on a girl's trip with my friends back to Florida to move one of the people we baptized out to Provo to go to school. And we did a road trip and I didn't miss him at all. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, clearly <laughs> I don't really like this guy. Um, but when we broke up, I was, I was devastated and I was the one that broke up with him. And I could not understand why, you know, why he had had such an impact on my life. And it came to me while we are polar opposites in most of the way we do things. We are a hundred percent the same in our in our goal and what we wanted out of life. He was a strong priesthood holder. He was going to go to the temple. He was going to be a good father, and he was going to stick with Jesus Christ no matter what life threw at him. He was strong and, you know, a strong priesthood holder. And we both wanted the same thing when it came down to the gospel and Jesus Christ. We wanted a family that could be strong. We wanted to have scripture study every day. You know, I mean, we had, we had that in common. And I realized I could marry someone like Taylor, my ex-boyfriend, who I get along with really great, and we have a lot of the same interests, but he really, really struggled with his testimony off and on all throughout his life. Now, I think he's still active, but it, it was a challenge for him to be a disciple of Christ. And so I realized... You know, Paul maybe wasn't what I was looking for, but he was exactly what I wanted and what I needed to be able to have um, eternal life, you know? Yeah. And so there might have been other, someone else out there that that could have worked for. But when I was on my mission, <laughs> I 
I made a deal with the Lord and I said, I'm going to serve faithfully. You know, I'm going to do my best while I'm out here. I really would like to be married within a year or at least found my husband within a year of being home. Because um, while I was on my mission, um, it the Lord told me, you're not going to be single. You need to get married and you need to have a family. And so that was a big shock for me because, like I said, I didn't I thought I was going to be single and that I needed to focus on my career. And my mission told me, no, you need to be a mom. That's your job. And so um, so I was like, okay, well, if you're going to make me do this, <laughs> then you have to provide someone for me because I, I don't want to deal with that. You know, like that's just a whole nother thing because I did not, I did speed dating basically my freshman year of college and it was super fun, but you know, I tried to find some more serious relationships after that, and it's it's hard. Um. Anyway, so I made a deal with him, and let's see, I got home in June. Paul and I were married in April the next year. That seems reasonable. I, I think uh, par for the course up there in, in Rexburg. I mean, what yeah. is it, uh, ring by spring or your money back, something like that? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I know that doesn't happen for everyone, and... You know, it maybe wouldn't have happened for me, but, uh, and I think that was the big thing with when I broke up with Paul was the Lord's like, I, I gave him to you. <laughs> like, here he is. You're just going to reject my gift because it's not what you pictured. Like, that's it, okay. It's almost, it's almost like he, he let you, or well, of course he let you, but I mean, um, allowed you or wanted you to try on breaking up try try it on mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally and see how that is and then so you could see the contrast almost yeah no 100% i think that is true we've had our hard times it, relationships are hard like living with other people is challenging they're also really awesome and fun i should say i do love my husband and we have a great time <laughs> but we definitely have had our struggles and had I not had that experience, I think I would be divorced now because I would have so many doubts, you know, because I wasn't, I really wasn't sure. And after that experience, I was like, no, this is him. We're good. Like after I got back together with him, I was like, okay, when are we getting married? Basically. And he's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> So, so was, I was, was a little aggressive, probably. Well, I mean, that's I, I think that's common, though. I mean, when you know, you know. So it's like, well, there's no point in waiting around. Let's yeah. let's go. Yeah. We were gonna do some things differently, and I was like, you know what? We just let's just do the thing. <laughs> let's yeah. move on. Get it done. We're just gonna get ourselves in trouble if we wait. You know. So. Um. Now I forgot your question. There's a reason I oh no, you're fine. That story. I was just talking about lessons learned from the mission, going into into uh, married life and moving and that sort of thing. I mean, that, there's a lot of adaptability and flexibility going. And I mean, you've moved around a whole lot your in your life just in general, but then also you and Paul kind of tramped around the country a little bit too. So that's that's all I was going. But okay, yeah, I'm on. 
move number 30, 28. <laughs> We've what had average out to be like one move every year and a half or something. Yeah, because I'm 36. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because uh, we are on our 14th move. William has moved 12 times and he's 11. And he's years 11. <laughs> That so is, that is pretty great. Uh, that's funny. Here's the thing family about moving. Really good at moving. What our family? I said our family is really good at moving. <laughs> it's so true, though. It really is. Like, we really like, move a lot. We, <laughs> I mean, we mostly moved like I'm counting all the move-ins and moves out of trailers and cabins and sure, right, houses. Of but I mean, we usually stayed in each of those places for longer than a month. That's that's a move, right? <laughs> you know, exactly. Whether you were living in a tent or not, <laughs> you moved into that tent for a month. You know, um, moving's been really good for me. Uh, I liked that we stayed in one place for a long time. The move to Boise was was really hard um, for me. I missed Michael a lot and was sure I was never going to have another best friend ever again. And um, by the time you guys moved to Boise, Michael and I had changed so much um, that we didn't really like a lot of the same things anymore. So while we got along, we weren't like the inseparable best buddies we were when we were kids. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so uh, that first year was really really hard and I again I made some poor friends because you know what the druggies are nice they <laughs> accept everyone I'm sorry but no judgment oh, yeah. they are not exclusive they're happy to let anyone come and join them and be their friend you know and so it's like some of us could learn from the druggies <laughs> and I did agreeableness <laughs> I did. I So a friend invited me over for her birthday party for my ward and I didn't know her. And I went and she became my best friend, Megan. And we still like we won't see each other for three years and we'll get together for like an hour. And it's like we haven't ever been apart, you know. And so uh, so I'm grateful for that friendship for our move. And I look back at Redmond and where I would have been. And I don't think I would be where I am had I had we stayed in Redmond. I don't know that I would be strong in the gospel at all. Mm. Not that you can't be in Redmond, but just I don't know that it would have worked out. So I'm grateful we moved there. But Paul and I, since we got married, he's been he was in school. And so um, when we first got married, we didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't have a job. Um, we knew we were going back to school in the fall, and we had some prospects. So we just moved in with his grandma in Richland, Washington, <laughs> and hoped that we would have a job. Poor um, college So um, <laughs> Paul, thankfully, had is extremely smart and... Um, frugal and he had had these really good internships on our honeymoon I got a call for a job interview and he also got a call 
that he'd gotten a job. And so we only stayed at his grandma's for like two weeks and then we found an apartment. So I was like, I'm sorry, but nice. as a newlywed, yeah, I'm not living with your grandma. <laughs> if we'd been married for like a year, sure. But like, yeah. it's super awkward. So she was really nice, but yeah. Um, anyways, a lot of our moves were like that. It was getting to be the end of the semester. Uh, we knew he'd, you know, he applied to jobs and we never would know which one he was going to get. So I would just pack up our house and because I knew we had to move, we weren't going to stay. Um, and I would just wait. And usually the week before the school ended and we need to be out of our apartment, we would get a job and we would move. Um, and so that was, that was challenging because how many many times did that happen? Uh, seven. That's incredible. I mean, you just, I mean, that's just an incredible amount of faith. You just, well, was that like an anxious thing for you or were you like, you talk about it now and you did say it was challenging, but like, you sound really confident. Like, were you confident in those scenarios or were you really like stressed and anxious? So, because my husband is who he is, we, you know, we worked really hard to try not take on more student loans than we could handle. Um, And he always got paid to go to school. Um, So we always had a buffer and, but we were poor enough that we were able to be on WIC because we had William immediately after getting married. Um, And so... We always knew, worst case scenario, we could live with a parent for a few weeks until whatever job opportunity showed up. And Paul is smart, and so I always knew, I was never concerned that he would have a job. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It was just, the stress was mostly the unknown. Like, usually... Well, it was a pick of three places, so I could at least research the area and be like, okay, what three places are we going to end up? You know, so we had we had some idea going into it, but it was really stressful, the waiting, just to know, so that I could do something, you know, to put down a deposit on an apartment, you know, make sure we have somewhere to live when his job starts, you know. That mostly was the stressful part. Yeah, Does the brass not knowing so you can plan for the brass tax of the move. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a planner. So like the best I could do was was like, well, I know we're moving. So I'm just going to pack everything. But I don't know where. <laughs> and so I'm tr- I just had to trust the Lord that he was that he, I, we very much had to be like, okay, Lord's in control. Like I had to let go a lot and that was hard. Especially with kids. Oh yeah, I can't because imagine personally, I mean, you're describing this to me, and I'm getting anxious. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the hardest ones, because um, we always knew we were usually coming back to a place. So we, because we would stay for the nine months, and then we'd be gone for the summer. So we'd usually get a storage unit. So we actually had one in Rexburg that just stayed there for probably six years, and and we got one in 
in Oregon. And so wherever we ended up, we had a storage unit with thrift store stuff in it. So we at least would have a bed and a couch and a bed for the baby. And whatever we could fit in our car. So we tried not to keep too much stuff. That's one thing I loved about the move was we were able to like get rid of a lot of stuff. Minimize. Minimalism. Yes. Yeah. And we got a, we got a lot of new things because every time we moved, I got to go shopping at the thrift store and William would get new toys <laughs> and I would get new clothes and it was fun, you know, because you can do that, you know, with 50 bucks. You can, well, probably not 50. With like 200 bucks, you can outfit your house for, I mean, you can live on anything for three months. The hardest, the hardest one was we went to Los Alamos, New Mexico. And this was very unexpected. We usually spend our summers in Rexburg or Idaho Falls working at INL because they were paying for our schooling. Right. Um, but they sent us to New Mexico. And I was, oh gosh, five months pregnant with Gabe. And we were going to New Mexico in the summertime. And I had William, who was... I remember our first move, sorry, this is all over the place, but our first move into our place in Oregon, he was jumping on the bed. I'm like, dude, don't jump on the bed. And I went to grab him so that he wouldn't hurt himself. And he jumped out of the way and sliced his forehead open on our windowsill. Ooh, and that's <laughs> that's the head. So that's going to bleed. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I was like, this is why I didn't want you jumping on the bed. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I can see his brains. And Paul's like, you can't see his brains. Oh, my word. Like, calm down. He was fine. But he was that kind of kid, you know. And so I was hugely, hugely pregnant. And we, like, I was already really big with Gabe. He, I just was big with him. And so we had, we got to New Mexico. We didn't have, we had an air mattress and a packet, pack and play. And um, so we went and they didn't have thrift stores because uh, this was on a, what are they called? It's not a plateau. What are those big? Ugh. Anyways, we were on top of this mountain that's flat. Like a ridge? So, oh, a mesa. Mesa. Yes, oh, I think okay. so. Anyways, so they only have so much space that they can grow. And this is where they developed the atomic bomb. So he's going to work at this lab. And so we went we went garage sailing and found William a beanbag chair. And that was our furniture. Like, and a card table. That's all we had for the whole summer. Um, and so my only stipulation was, you know, wherever we move, we have to have AC. Like, I don't care if we have any furniture, whatever it is, we have to have air conditioning because I was real. pregnant. For real. So we had that, and the ward was super nice. But while we were there, our air mattress popped. So we got to sleep on the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. And thankfully, a member, you know, lent us their air mattress until we could replace ours, which took like two weeks because you can't buy anything on the stupid Mesa because all they have is a grocery store and a library. Um, and then the two weeks after we had moved there, there was a forest fire and it got close enough to the town that we had to evacuate to Santa Fe. And so we slept that first night in our car. Um, 
with William and me and Paul in his tiny Toyota Yaris. And I was six months pregnant at the oh time. Oh, my word. This is so stressful. And we couldn't. <laughs> we ended up having to put our luggage because we took everything we owned except for Paul's pants. <laughs> Which was hilarious. I was like, we literally packed like lamps and stuff, and we forgot his pants. We had to go to Walmart and buy him new pants. It was like, you know. Oh my word, that's great. Uh, anyways, we so we put all of our luggage outside of our car so that I could lay down because I couldn't do the front seat just leaning back. As like this, this is not working for me. So like. <laughs> when we got out of our car in the morning, all of our stuff was covered in ash. Just totally covered. And we we're like, oh my gosh, what is this hell that the Lord has sent us to? Like, this place is insane. Uh, anyways, a member family ended up taking us in for like a week and then we were able to go back to our apartment. But that was probably my most stressful move. Um, and at the t- what? I would just, I'm like, how do I not know any of this? Like, I've never heard this story. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I'm like, where was I? I was in college, so probably just didn't ever talk to you. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was actually really cool because we got to spend a week in Santa Fe, which is like the one of the biggest tourist spots in New Mexico. And it was really cool. to. We just spent our days walking around and looking at all the sites. And so that was, that was fun. And I wasn't so pregnant that I wanted to die yet. That didn't happen until the winter time. So then I was fine because we were back in Corvallis, but there was one. Oh, and I used to have to drive two hours to get to the doctor's office for my appointments with Gabe. And I used to have to drive two hours to get to Walmart. And one day I locked my keys in the car and we only had one car, so Paul couldn't bring me another set oh, of keys. No. And we're oh, in the Walmart the parking lot in New Mexico, which is sketchy already. And I just had to sit there. I was just grateful that I hadn't put William in the car yet. Because I locked myself out as I was loading the groceries. That would have been so bad. Yeah. So a locksmith came and saved me. But like, <laughs> like seven months pregnant in the Walmart parking lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that move was was insane. So the rest of our moves were pretty planned. Like I said, we usually went back and forth between um Idaho Falls and or Rexburg. Rexburg you can get three month housing, you can't in Idaho Falls. Most places will only let you rent like for six months at a time yeah, without man. having to spend a lot of money to break contract, which most of our student loans were actually just for moving oh, um, yeah. to pay for our moves because it was about $4,000 a year to move because we had to move twice a year and we had to have storage units and um, we didn't do a truck very often. but And then we had to pay like really high rent because we were staying for such a short term. That is usually double what our rent normally would be. So Interesting. Even, the even with the fact that you were in a college town every time. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Well, so we, yeah, we chose Rexburg 
because it was cheaper than Idaho Falls, but it's still, it's expensive to move. And I mean, like I said, we had to replace a lot of stuff often. Um, but we haven't moved in four years and I'm super grateful. <laughs> yeah. You guys have got your, your house there and yeah. Yeah. We, a little, a little settling down there. <laughs> yeah. We talk about, you know, we bought a house, we built this house and we bought it so that if we want to stay here till we die, we have the space we need to do that and the accessibility we need. But if we want to move, we're not like, this is our dream house and we can never leave it. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. Yeah, absolutely. So You've got options. You've got options. Yeah, we're looking at finishing our basement here soon, which means getting rid of a lot of my stuff again. So I'm like, yeah, well, it's time. (laughs) The stuff starts accumulating. Like, I didn't realize... I'm like, man, I actually have to, like, go through this stuff because when you pack it, you're like, oh, trash, just toss it. (laughs) But I keep finding things in my storage closet that I'm like, where, how long have I had this? (laughs) Where did this even come from? That's great. I totally understand that. So Paul has always been, that's one thing, I guess, this... Sound, this is going to sound terrible, but it's one thing I love about my husband is the job security. He's super smart, and he's never had a problem getting a job. Now, and he could get a job doing anything. He makes more money here, but he could go. He We could move to Boise if we had to, and he'd take a pay cut, but he still would be able to get a job. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. So, I, and I realize that maybe is not always the case um, with economy, how it is and stuff. But he's always been, um, he's always been my rock that way. And he's always been really good about the moves and helping. My job was to pack up the house and his job was to pack up the car, <laughs> you know, because he was better at the Tetris. That's exactly what I was. Yeah, it's Tetris. It's just Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> so it's we we don't do a lot of things simultaneously working together, but we do a lot of work together in the sense that I prep things, he does the job, I clean up, you know, and so we're able to still we're able to still help each other by doing different parts of the job, and we do do some things together that um that work we both really enjoy board games and i don't know why am i talking about this anyways it's it's interesting to with our differences it's been it's helped us balance quite a bit i've helped him learn how to relax and he's helped me learn how to be more responsible and um and it's i feel like it helps our children balance quite a bit too be able to see the two sides you know has has the the covid era changed that dynamic for you too or or has there been um, some some ups and downs with that dynamic at all it's it's been mostly good it's actually been really nice he he works really hard and he's an introvert and so when he goes to work 
all of his people, uh, his people bucket gets full. And so then when he gets home, he has, he struggles, you know, because he's all done with people and there's a lot of people at our house. Um, but, and he always, you know, we have done scripture study every night since we got married. And so he's always, he's usually always there for scripture and he tries to make sure he's there for the kids, but I always make sure first thing when he gets in the door, I say, hi, and he goes to his office and we give him about two hours to recharge before we bombard him with, with people again. Um, so COVID actually has been really nice that way in that he's working from home. And so while, yes, he has to do meetings and he gets some exposure to that, he's able to recharge a lot easier and he's able to spend more time with the family without feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Does that make sense? No, I totally relate. That's actually a, a, a nice description of how to how to present that because it's it's very true. You just you have to recharge from. I mean, you get uh, one energies like Stace, and and you they they kind of seem to gain energy by being around in social situations where it's yeah. almost the reverse, where it's like I'm expending energy, emotional energy, to be in this situation. Yeah. It, and it's got to go recharge. Yeah. And I know it's, it's challenging and I, and I get that. So we're like, okay, well, we want him at his best. So what can we do so that he, he can feel comfortable in our space, you know, cause there are a lot of, I, I am still shocked. We have four children. I'm sure we were going to quit it too, because, cause he is such an introvert, you know? Um, but he has always been the one that's really pushed for more kids. Um, his reasoning is, you know, we know, we have decided, I don't care what the world throws at us, we are going to follow Jesus Christ and the prophet is what we're going to do. Our household is going, we're going to read the scriptures, we are going to be a spiritual home. Now, does that mean we're going to have contention and all sorts, other sorts of stuff? No, but... um. And so he's like, I want to bring as many spirits as we can handle to a uh, a stable home where they can learn about the Savior. Um, because you just don't get that very much these days. Um, and so that's why we ended up with four, because cause we felt like we could handle it and that we needed to, you know, we needed to do our part. So, How old is um, your youngest now? She is four. Yeah. So I personally think we have the perfect family because <laughs> we grouped it just right. We got boys and then we got two girls, you know, just like grandma, just like papa, grandma. and you guys. Yeah. Well, ours is, no, we did the same. No, yours is the same. Yeah, ours is the same. I just had to think about that. I thought we were, yeah. Yeah, we the, go boy, boy, girl, girl. I thought yeah. it was offset. Isn't there grandma, someone... grandma and papa. No, they have boy, boy, girl, girl. Who is it yeah. that? Yeah, somebody's offset. It's like boy, girl, girl, boy, or something like that. Yeah. I can't think of it. I know there's somebody. I'll, it'll come to Well, me. Rachel and Whitney's families are, or John Stans are like the mirror of each other. They have boy, girl, boy, girl, girl, and then girl, boy, girl, boy, boy. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that's who you were thinking of, but yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay. You know, because yeah. we had so much control over all of it. Right. Yeah. 
I know. Well, and it's interesting because Becky and Jen, you know, Jen has three girls. Becky's got three boys. And then Stacy and Dina are also opposites, aren't you? Yeah. She has two girls and a boy, and I have a boy and two girls. <laughs> so, And oh, then yeah, Heather wow. has the four kids. And I'm the only one who doesn't live in Boise. So yeah. I just Something had to stand there. out. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, I've always thought it was interesting. I was like, yep, I just had, I was that middle child, so I had to find a way to make myself stand out. So I had to have one more child than my sisters. So, you know what's funny though is technically Dina is the middle child. I know. There's three above her and three below. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, I I just always think that's funny. Well, she acts more like an oldest child, though. Yeah, well, if you do, like, the rotation thing, right, where there's, like, three types of kids, you have oldest, middle, youngest, oldest, and then it just repeats that rotation through your kids, no matter how many kids you have. Technically, Dina is an oldest child, and I am also an oldest child. Yeah, that actually... Which says a lot about our (laughs) What is is y'all's age spread there from Jen to... Stace, what is that? Well, it's 13 from, years, is it? Oh, yeah, because her well, dad said it's, it's like 12 six. and a half, yeah, 12 and change. Sure, yeah, I always so, thought it was 13, so yeah, because between Jen and I, I think there's only seven, maybe only six and a half years. When's her birthday? Yeah, uh, that... she was born in 79, and I'm 85, so that's six years, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's six and a half because she's like in March, right, or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm December, and then it's four years until Becky, and then another two for Stacy. Yeah, I think that the uh, that uh, wolf pack dynamic kind of resets after five years, or, uh, or about five years, so that you've got the next group after that kind of exhibits some of those alpha traits. Yeah. So when well, we. We always called them the babies, right? Because <laughs> they were like this tail end group, and that was the interesting about about our kids is when we'd been told for a long time the Lord's been very clear when we're supposed to have kids, which is nice. Like there's never been questions about it, uh, except for William, because my husband, I swear to you, we'd been married three weeks and he's like okay time to start having a baby and I was like what <laughs> like I have one year of college left one year like can I not graduate first that would be great and then get pregnant he's like nope we're supposed to get pregnant right now and I was like what what is the hurry anyway so I really fought him on it like I thought he was crazy because like one year putting off like being married for a year makes a lot of sense before you add other craziness to it. But um, anyways, I he was really adamant about it. I was like, this is so weird. Because, like, we had talked about having kids, but, like, never that soon. Um, so, I, I mean, I prayed about it, went to the temple, and we talked to our bishop. And the Lord was like, yeah, you have to get pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, What? So uh, once the Lord said that I was supposed to, I was like, okay, fine. So, and I was, I was pregnant with him like a month after I had resigned myself to it. And I had William two weeks before I graduated. And I still graduated. Um, 
it just was harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's been interesting. And then Gabe was the same way. It was very much, yep, it's time for, it's time for Gabe. Interesting. And then I wanted to have one when we went to New Mexico. We lived in Albuquerque for two and a half years. Um, I mean, we moved back to Idaho during the summers during that time, but we lived, we went to school there for two and a half years. And, um, and I kept, you know, Gabe was getting old. I was like, okay, like, are we supposed to, like, we've had a baby at every college so far. Like, are we supposed to have one? And right. the Lord was super clear. He's like, nope, don't do it. And now I'm like so grateful I didn't have a baby in New Mexico. I can't even imagine. Uh, but the day we moved in to our apartment in Idaho Falls um, permanently, when we had finished uh, at UNM having to be in classes, he still had another, I want to say, year and a half, but it was all like work courses. Does that make sense? Okay. Work so study. He didn't physically have to be there or what is that? Yeah, he didn't have to be at school because it was all work study. He needed okay. to be at work and then he still had to turn in like papers and stuff Okay, okay. on what he was doing. And then he graduated like, uh, I want to say two years after that. And this is with the doctorate. Yes. Yeah. So he'd gotten his master's in at OSU, Oregon State, and then at UNM. We went there for two years, and then two years after that, we got, after living back in Idaho Falls for two years of working, he got his PhD once his right. thesis was written. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, the day we moved into Idaho Falls permanently, after he'd gotten out of school, I found out I was pregnant with Annabeth. Oh, and wow. it was like, the Lord was just waiting for us to come back to Idaho, <laughs> which I thought was really Interesting. And when we had Annabeth, it was like, okay, there's one more. So we didn't really wait very long to have Gemma. And that's when I had my my miscarriage. And so that was really hard for me because I knew there was one more. And so I was like, why? Oh, I see. Why didn't this other baby pan out? Like, because yeah. we're supposed to have one. Um, which was a blessing because, again, it wasn't a baby it was just an abnormal pregnancy i just basically grew a ball in my stomach um and so after annabeth um i'd been having hormone issues because girls will kids will do that to you when you mix hormones when you're growing them um and i would be like it would be like two in the afternoon and i'd be driving and i would take everything in me not to fall asleep like pass out like I could not stay wow. awake yeah I had to have a nap every day at two o'clock and she slept through the night starting at like six weeks so it wasn't because I wasn't getting any sleep and so I had been having some issues like that anyways I had this abnormal pregnancy once it went away I was like better so I think I just had a weird hormone imbalance and so that fixed it and then three months later, I was pregnant with Gemma. So it was just like, the Lord's like, uh, you, we need to fix something first. <laughs> yeah. And then you can have a baby because there's something not working in there. So, And then when Gemma, as soon as we got pregnant with Gemma, the Lord's like, you're all done. Like, wow, that's, sweet. That's, that's amazing. I, I love hearing couples' stories about, about 
their their children and and how that all the that decision making process takes place. It's it's unique for every couple, but it's interesting how yours is so definitive. I mean, it was very it's very clear every single time that, that that's yeah. not always the case. That's that's really interesting. It has been. I think. I think. I don't know. The Lord's just been really nice to me and wants to give me peace of mind. I don't know. Knows I can't handle the, the stress of not knowing, I guess. But says, uh, says the woman who didn't know where they were going to move. Well, moving's time. different than having <laughs> children. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Right? Yeah, diff- different stressors. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> But, I mean, does that mean we might not have some random surprise child six years from now? No. But. Sure, of course. But for now, the Lord's been pretty clear. He's like, you're good. Your family is whole. Like, this is your family. Yeah. And so I I would be surprised if another kid came. And uh, I don't know how well I would handle it. <laughs> but But we obviously would. Accept oh, it and be happy to have it, but take it we in feel stride, like just like the rest of life, right? Yeah, we've always we've always planned our kids, and so it would be interesting to have a surprise child. I don't know how well I would handle it at the beginning, um, but some since we're on the topic of children, there was one thing I wanted to say about it. Um, my with William. It was it was hard because I was in school and I was a recreation management uh, student. So right. that means I led groups to go out into the woods and do stargazing with an eating Dutch oven cobbler. And um, I was in a survival class where we had to learn how to make little huts and sleep out in the cold and eat out of a can. <laughs> Which I didn't survive. <laughs> Paul ended up having to come and pick me up at three in the morning. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I was so cold and miserable, and the fish had made me so sick, and I was just like throwing up. Oh, that is It awful. was terrible. But I still passed the class with a lot of help. <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh. That's great. It was, it was, it was rough. Um, and actually, though, I, again, I asked the Lord, I was like, okay, you made me get pregnant. <laughs> so you have to make sure that I graduate because William was due finals week. Oh, what a nightmare. And oh, I was yeah, like, okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. How, like, how is this going to happen? I did your plan, but like, I want to grad because if I didn't graduate, I wasn't going to for a long time because Paul was graduating and we were moving on to a new school and transferring my credits would have meant two more years at the other school because half of them wouldn't transfer. Oh, you did look into that. Oh, wow. That, yeah. is, that is a bad transfer rate. Holy smokes. No, it was three. I had, I would have had to do three more semesters. That's what it was. That's well, that's a year um, and a half. I mean, geez. Cause I was taking classes like, I did clusters, so I did exercise science and I did parenting because I was like, well, I'm pregnant, so probably I should learn about that. <laughs> Seems like I should figure this out, yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good course to take, just in case. And so some of those, you know, wouldn't have worked at Oregon State. They don't have a parenting cluster. 
you know, like that's not a thing. Um, anyway, so again, I was like, you got to make this work. And obviously the professors are all understanding because they're used to their students, you know, having children on a regular basis. Um, and so William came two weeks early. So then I was able to go and take my tests after I had him. Um, and I had been taking tutorings for some of my classes because they were harder. And I knew I was going to miss. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to miss some classes, you know. And so I actually was in a tutoring session um, when my water broke. <laughs> you are joking. Oh, my word. So I was at the tutoring center and I'm with this guy and he, he, his wife had just had a baby. I want to say like a, a month or two before, like he, he'd been through this process just recently. Cause you know, we're all newlyweds there. Yeah. Which is and lucky, honestly. That he it's, was. it's really nice. I actually really loved going to BYU Idaho. But anyways, I was like, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. And so I ran to the bathroom and my water broke and yeah. And so then I went back to my tutoring session and I'm like, I have to go to the hospital. So thankfully Paul was also on campus and he was tutoring another student. And I was like, you're going to have to cut your tutoring session short because you have to drive me to the hospital. Um, and that was a really long, uh, labor for me although paul says it's not really fair because i slept through half of it um because i did what does he know right (laughs) he's like i had to be awake the whole time it was like 14 hours (laughs) because it was like five o'clock at night and um uh, I was having contractions every five minutes and I literally would fall asleep. I was so tired. I would fall asleep in between each contraction and then, and then be rudely awakened again with major back pain. Yeah. Um, and then I had one the next morning, but while I was going through this and was awake towards the end, um, I had, I had an interesting experience. I've never felt closer to my savior and understanding his sacrifice because I would do anything for that baby that was coming. And I didn't care what kind of pain he was going to put me through, what I had to do if it meant I had to die. I wanted that baby to have a life and I would do anything. And I love that baby you know, more than anything I've ever loved in my entire life, you know, just pure love. And it made me think about the Savior and realize, you know, the pain that he went through for us. And it made me understand more why he was willing. Because a lot of the times you look at what he went through and you're like, how, you know, why is he doing this? You know, why... Why did he let them do that to him? And um, it just helped me understand. It's like, I get it. You love something so much, you will do anything for that person. And that's how he feels about all of us. And it was just a huge, it was a huge eye-opener for me. And it was 
help me have a much closer connection with him and be oh so much more grateful for what he did because it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I had Gabe natural. And then after that, it's like, give me the drugs. Like I'm done. I did it. I proved that I can do it. I don't want to anymore. So both my girls, I did the drugs with because I was all done. Yeah. But I'm really grateful that I didn't with William because it was just such an eye-opening experience for me that I don't think I would have had otherwise. Right. A glimpse into eternity. Yeah. And just to be able to feel feel that kind of love for someone. It's it's interesting. And I sometimes wonder, I'm like, do I still have that kind of love for my kids now that I know them, you know? <laughs> and I, I do. I mean, but, uh, you know, I don't maybe feel it as strongly as I did then, but it is, it is an interesting experience. Yeah. For sure. Well, geez, thank you, Heather. We're, we're getting later here, but um, we do have one last question that we try and have everybody answer. Okay. What, uh, what, what do you do or, or what are the things uh, in your life? What, what brings you peace? How have you found a peace on whether that's, you know, in your life in general or on the day on the daily, what, uh, what facilitates peace for you? So there's a couple things. So I would say the first one is real scripture study. And I know that sounds weird, but there's like the busy day scripture study where I just like read the verses and I'm like, okay, got it in, you know, I did my part. And then there's the time where you hit upon like a principle and it really sticks with you and you sometimes it doesn't have to take it doesn't have to take an hour you know but like just going and searching and finding other things that are confirming those aha moments like oh yes this is this is what it's about this is what it means like i finally feel like i'm starting to understand this concept um those sort of moments bring me a lot of peace and so I have been trying to do better about making sure I set aside time at the right time of day to be able to give room for those kind of moments does that make sense no I'm totally with you absolutely um because a lot of times I'll do scripture study like at 11 30 at night while I'm in my bed scrolling through my phone <laughs> <laughs> You know, and and sometimes I still get a worthwhile study out of it, but most of the time not. Um, and so it just um, now that my kids are in school, it's while they're gone usually is the best time to do it because I don't get interrupted. And I actually can think, you know, like my yeah. brain isn't filled with the chaos of everything I have to mm-hmm. do with them. Putting out the hottest fire. Yeah. Um, So there's two other things. Uh, Just being in the woods. um, 
it reminds me a lot of Papa and just looking at the stars and being among the trees and just walking through the woods. Just, it's so nice there and comforting and it brings back so many good memories. So many good memories because most of our childhood was spent in the trees, you know, playing outside, building forts and just, so I have a lot of love for for just nature in general. Um, and then sitting on my couch with a blanket and a good movie. Yeah. That's the, I don't know if that brings me peace, but that definitely brings me comfort. It's the way I recharge. Paul's like, how can you watch TV all the time? I was like, I love TV. (laughs) It is my comfort blanket. So yeah, I would say those, those things for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Stace, any parting thoughts? I have loved hearing this conversation. Heath, I feel like I've heard so, I've learned so many things about you that I never knew. And I'm like, how did I not know these things? But I love it. And also, I really appreciate a lot of things that you've said, especially pertaining to like scripture study and other things. I feel like that's something you and I have in common. And anyway, I realized that this week I've been really busy. So I haven't really been like doing my study as much because I've been waking up in the morning and working on Christmas presents. And anyway, so this was just what I needed to hear tonight. I'm like, oh yeah, like, um, this is what I want to do is like taking time to study because it does bring me a lot of peace and joy. And I also realized I'm like, it's like Christmas week. Like, I definitely have time to spend reading my scriptures and thinking about the savior instead of, you know, like doing all the other things that I'm like, there's time for both, but I haven't been setting the time aside. And like you said, like the proper times, because I've just been waiting for the times where anyways, I've been just missing those. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Heath. Thanks, Del. All right. Thanks, Heather. Have a good night. Love you, Heather. Love you too, guys. Love you too. Bye.